Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So have you ever heard like famous false teachers say, ah, oh, the scriptures say, touch not God's anointed, right? Uh, Benny Hinn used to talk this way, Ken Copeland as well. And all the major heretics, they, they twist a biblical text from 1 Samuel chapter 24, where David refuses to kill Saul, uh, and and they say, touch not God's anointed, which means you cannot criticize them. You cannot use your words to say anything against them because they are God's anointed, right? Yeah, if you've, if you've ever heard that, uh, well, you're in for a treat today. We get to hear it from the latest of the false prophets and false teachers, false apostle Catherine Crick. I mean, if this doesn't prove that this woman is not an apostle, I don't know what is. She's not really hearing from God. She twists God's word up. And the fact that she has to use this Bible twist in order to basically try to silence and stop people from listening to critics, it's a thought-stopping technique. Uh, uh, Heads up and shout out to Kozar for coming up with that phrase, the thought-stopping technique to use this text. Touch not God's anointed. Uh, we're going to listen to Catherine Crick, false apostle at that, make this case. And once we actually do the biblical comparative work, you'll never again sit there and go, oh, do I dare criticize a false teacher? I, I mean, touch not God's anointed and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, you'll be cured of that problem like lickety-split. So let's do this. Let's uh, whirl up the desktop. And uh, yeah, by the way, that particular photograph, if I haven't mentioned it before, that was the very first time I successfully uh, photographed lightning. That was during a, a nice little zephyr here in North Dakota. Anyway, uh, I, I digress. Let's uh, whirl up uh, our... Boy, I hate to do this. Brace yourselves. Um, <laughs> there's several people on planet Earth that to me look like like they're demonized, Ken Copeland being the primary one. Uh, Catherine Crick also kind of, she, she's, ugh. anyway, uh, let's whirl up the web browser. Here we go. Okay, so the name of the message is when you've spoken against a servant of God, uh, plus Zoom miracles and things like this. Here's a, here's a false apostle Catherine Crick to twist up the scriptures for you to make it look like you can't say anything against her. And if you do, well, you're doing something wrong. Listen in. All right. We're going to get into the teaching right now. This is a very important this is a very important teaching that I have for you today. And I want to talk about speaking against a servant of God. I want to just speak about that in general. Speaking against a servant of God, which she claims to be, but she isn't. She's a false apostle, she's a false teacher, and here she's going to be twisting up the scripture badly. Uh, and we'll, we'll keep we'll, but uh, stay tuned. And I'm going to be teaching you what what you should do if you have spoken against a servant of God. Oh no, so, what should we do? There, there is teaching from the Lord in the Word of God about this topic, and this is what we're going to look at today. All right. Now, important note here. In order to have a doctrine, you actually have to have a doctrine, a biblical text that deals with a specific 
topic. Okay, so for instance, all right, I, I always use it use this as an example. All right, so we're gonna take a look. In fact, I didn't plan on this, but let me do it this way. Duplicate tab, and we're gonna do a quick search in the New Testament, and we're gonna look for male. And then we'll do a little bit of, uh, we'll throw in an and modifier here, and female. And what I'm also going to do here is I'm going to limit my search to the epistles. By the way, the name of the software is Accordance. This is the this is the software that I use when I teach with. It's called Accordance, and you can find it at accordancebible.com. We always put the information about what tools we use uh, and things like this down in the description of all of our videos. So you know, if you ever were wondering what's what what Bible software, it's called Accordance. All right. So anyway, I did do a quick search here. And here it is, Galatians chapter 3. All right. Watch this. So the text goes like this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for you are all one in Christ. Okay. This text right here is the text that is often referred to by people who twist the scriptures who want to make a case for ordaining women. Here's the issue. This topic, this text is not about the topic of ordaining women. This text is about how everybody is equal in the eyes of Christ. Male, female, slave, free, you get the idea here. So this isn't dealing with the topic of women's ordination or who should preach or teach in script uh, in, in the church. We need a clear text that deals with that. So like 2 Timothy chapter 2 is a text that deals with uh, with something like that. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, let's see. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, da, 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 da. Am I doing this right? Is it 1 Timothy? 1 Timothy chapter 2. I think uh, that may be the case. Hang on a second here. Uh, as I get older, things are not as clear in my memory anymore. All right, here it is. All right, so in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I don't permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and then Adam was not deceived. The woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So you're going to note here, it, it, this, the scripture is clear. Women are not to have authority over men. And then there's another biblical text that says practically the same thing, but a little differently. Is It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, it, it says this, as in all the churches of the saints, this is verse 33, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. As for, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands. It is shameful for a woman to speak in church. All right, this is one of the texts that close, shows clearly women are not permitted to have authority over a man. They are not permitted to hold the pastoral office. So Galatians chapter 3, which says that in Christ there's neither male nor female, that verse is not dealing with the topic of what to do regarding who can and cannot be a pastor in Jesus's church. Jesus is the one who calls the shots. In fact, Paul goes on to say, or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it's reached? If anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing are a command of the Lord. So it is a command of Christ that women are to remain silent in the churches. This is a command from Jesus. Jesus gets to choose who gets to talk and who doesn't get to talk 
in the context of a church service. That's for him to decide, not for me. I just need to obey Jesus along those lines. So the idea then here is, is that these texts are clear and they're on topic. When you have an off-topic text, it cannot over, overturn the clear text. So here's the question I would have immediately because I know where she's going to go. Does 1 Samuel chapter 24, where David spares Saul's life, is this a biblical text that deals with the topic of what we are to do with those who are twisting God's word and those who are teaching false doctrine? No, this text has nothing to do with it. That's not the topic here at all. So already we've, we've got a problem, and that is, is that, well, she's, she says that this, ha- that this text, there's a teaching from God about uh, the topic of dealing with people who, uh, you know, who, who are God's anointed. Well, listen again. I've spoken against a servant of God. So there, there is teaching from the Lord in the Word of God about this topic, and this is what we're going to look at today. Speaking against speaking against a servant of God, that's not what First Samuel 24 is about. That's not the topic. In terms of should we talk about a, a servant of God? When should we, if we should, etc. So we see in First Samuel 24, verse 6, that backstory of this, of this passage right here, where David speaks about touching the servant of God, anointed servant of God. The backstory is that God had anointed King Saul and King Saul disobeyed God, and then because of that, God decided to strip the anointing um, off of Saul. Right, and you gotta know, in the Old Testament, those who were anointed were prophets or kings. Those Those were the ones who were anointed. And they were actually physically anointed with actual oil. All right, and they are types and shadows pointing to the Mashiach, the anointed one, Jesus Christ, who is our prophet, who is our priest, who is our king. Oh yeah, priests and prophets and kings, those were all anointed, all three of them. Prophet, priest, and king, they were all anointed. Uh-huh. And to appoint a new king, appoint and anoint, anoint a new king. And so he sent prophet Samuel to anoint King David, a very unlikely one. No one would think he would be chosen to be king, but that's and, and anointed, but that's just how our God works. He chooses people that you wouldn't expect and you discount and you look past. Um, and so he chose David and uh, then Saul loved David because, I mean, well, number one, David was anointed. He had a no, she's not reading any texts here. She's just giving us a summary. And as summaries go, I mean, it's, it's okay. Man after God's own heart. And so how could you not love him, right? He was very godly and he was playing a harp to um, help ease the torment of demons of Saul. And when he played, because he was anointed, demons would actually leave Saul. So David was a tremendous blessing to Saul. And he brought him close and he um, had him lead in his army. Um, and then David was a champion um, warrior. He really defeated a lot of enemies for the kingdom, for uh, Saul's kingdom. So that's a great blessing to Saul, but jealousy got the best of Saul. So instead of seeing that David was such a blessing, um, which he was to him, the whole kingdom, he saw him as the fact that maybe that he, people might like him more than Saul and he would go higher than Saul and he would be more anointed than Saul. So jealousy really took over, and so Saul then 
tri literally tried to kill David um, with everything in him. He even ended up sending armies to try to find David and kill him, hunting David down. This is where we have in Psalms, so much of the Psalms is, is David um, pouring his heart out to God. Like, All right, she's kind of belaboring the point, but we'll, we'll stay with it. All I, right. mean from, from I mean, after all, she claims to be an apostle. You know, sent by God, by Jesus Christ Himself. You know, she's not an apostle. She's a false apostle. This woman is a showman, and she's engaged in all kinds of charlatanry, in you know, in in putting on signs and wonders, demon casting out show kind of stuff. But she's no apostle. All, and um, then we, we we keep seeing God come through for David, and God would not let Saul touch David. God would not let Saul touch and David. And okay. God preserved David, and mm -hmm. God lifted David, protected him. Yeah. He became king as he was anointed as a child. He eventually became king in God's perfect timing. But there's a point where when Saul is in this streak of trying to kill him and all this, um, David actually has an opportunity where he could kill Saul. He could defeat. I mean, this would even be like self-defense, you know? All right, let's take a look at the text because... She's belaboring the point. First Samuel chapter 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in the front in the in front of the wild goats rocks and he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. Yeah, he's going to use the bathroom. So David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave. And the men of David said to him, here is the day which Yahweh said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. So then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So there's Saul doing his business, probably reading the Jerusalem Times. And David sneaks up and he doesn't kill him. He cuts off a corner of Saul's robe, but afterwards David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, Yahweh forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord for, the, for Yahweh's anointed to put out my hand against him, seeing he is Yahweh's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. So here it is. David says, I, I touch not God's anointed, right? Is this a text that teaches us what to do when dealing with those who are teaching false doctrines in the church, who are false prophets, who are false teachers, who are false apostles? Nope, not at all. This has nothing to do with what to do with somebody who is teaching falsely in Christ's church. So let's uh, go back to <clears throat> Catherine Crick. Let's see what she does with this. But, um... What he actually says in this moment where he has the opportunity to, where he got close, um, he says in 1 Samuel 24, verse 6, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Now, no, in the context, the actual historical narrative, David is talking about physically assaulting and killing Saul. That's what David is talking about physically laying hands on King Saul. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. So this is, the revelation of this is not just speaking of physical harm to an anointed 
the the revelation of this is not just speaking about physical harm to an anointed. Really, where are where do you see that in the text? So what, notice what she did here. The text is talking about David actually physically harming Saul, but she's saying, oh, it's more than that. It's more than actually physically harming him. Servant of God, but it's speaking in any way that one should never um, speak against, touch with harm in any way in the spiritual realm. With speak against, touch with harm in, in any way. Words. With words. A servant of God, a true anointed servant of God. A true anointed servant. You can't speak anything negative against a true anointed servant of God. Why is she putting this out? Because this is her way of putting an end to all thinking biblically regarding the false doctrines and the false teaching and the false signs and false wonders, miracle shows that she puts on in her so-called deliverance ministries that she does in the parks in, 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 Cal in Southern California, right? This is uh, so anybody who says anything against Catherine Crick, touch not God's anointed. You can't say a word against her. Mm hmm. She is twisting God's word, proving that she is no apostle of Jesus Christ. No, far from it. So let's do this now. We're going to take a look at the actual texts that are on topic on what we are to do with those who teach false doctrine, okay? We actually have clear on-topic texts that deal with this. Watch this. Okay, so talking about uh, the, the who's qualified to be a pastor in Christ's church, Titus chapter 1 says he, that's right, men, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that they may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to what? Rebuke those who contradict it. Here you have a clear command of God that men who are in the pastoral office must be able to rightly handle God's word and rebuke. That's a verbal assault, you know, those who contradict the clear word of God. And then it goes on to say this, there are many who are insubordinate, who are empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. And watch this. They must be silenced. God wants them silenced. And God wants them silenced by whom? Pastors. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. Rebuke them sharply, I would say. They are touching God's anointed. But here's the thing. They're not God's anointed when they're false teachers. Not even close. Okay. Another text along these lines. Let's see here. We already talked about that in another. Here we go. Hold on a second here. Romans chapter 16. Paul, tail end of the book of Romans, writes this. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. 
for such persons do not serve the Lord, our, our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. See, we are to not only, we're to be paying attention to who the false teachers are, and we are to mark them and avoid them. Uh-huh. That's a clear text along these lines. Jude writes, who also happens to be the half-brother of Jesus, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Jude commands us to contend for the faith. That requires us to do some fighting, if you would. Yeah, the ep- epagonizomai here is the verb here, to exert intense effort on behalf of something, to contend. Uh, it's an athletic imagery that's used here. Okay, so Jude tells us to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. The Apostle John says it's this way in in 2 John. He says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments, and this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is a deceiver and is the Antichrist. So watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Mm-hmm. You go on ahead and you just go way beyond the scriptures. You don't even have God. That's what that's what this text says. Whoever abides in the teaching, the scriptures, has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, don't receive him into your house. Bar him from coming into the church, right? Or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, talking about anointing real quick here. Important to note. People like Catherine Crick and others in the New Apostolic Reformation uh, who claim to be apostles, claim to be prophets and stuff like this, they go on and on and on about the anointing. What is the Greek word for anointing? Christos. Christ. A Christ is an anointed one. Watch what Jesus says in Matthew 24. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. I am the anointed one. I am an anointed one, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and you are not to be alarmed. This must take place. Nation will rise against nation. Then Christ goes on to describe what's going to happen, and here's what he says. For false Christ, pseudo-Christoi, false anointed ones, and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. Jesus tells us that in the days before his return, there would be many false anointed ones. That's what a Christoi is. A Christos is an anointed one. So you're going to know, Jesus warns us to be on the lookout for false anointed ones. You know, like her. 
she claims to be an anointed one. She claims to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And here she is twisting up the word in order to keep people from, uh, well, criticizing her because she is an anointed, anointed servant of God. Touch not God's anointed. Yet she is not dealing with any of the biblical texts that tell us how to deal with false anointed ones at all or false teachers at all. And now this, this scripture says a lot because at this point, it, it was very evident that Saul was stripped of the anointing. It was clear. It was very evident that Saul was completely in the wrong, was literally trying to murder this new anointed king that God has, had risen up who didn't do anything. So David, at this point, he has such a right to speak bad against him, but he doesn't. He still gives him respect because God once upon a time anointed him. He still had that respect for God and for his servant. David had a maturity knowing that it wasn't his job to speak against harm. Speak against. No, it wasn't his job to take the life of Saul, physically harm him. Notice she keeps putting the words in, speak against. This, that, 1 Samuel 24 has nothing to do with speaking against Saul. It has to do with taking his life. Saul, he had the maturity to know that God would lift up David, lift up him, and would scatter his enemies himself. God would do it himself. God didn't need David to push down his enemy so that David could be lifted up. The Bible says, the Bible says in Psalm 147, 6. Psalm 147, verse 6 has nothing to do with the topic biblically of what to do with a false teacher, a false prophet, a false Christos, false anointed one. I've read the text out that tells us what to do with, with those. And we are actively to rebuke and to contend against them. The Bible says in Psalms 147.6, the, the Lord lifts up the humble. He Again, this text has nothing to do with what, do you, what does God instruct us to do regarding false teachers in the church? Cast the wicked to the ground. It's the Lord that lifts the humble. It's not people who lift the humble. It is God who cast the wicked to the ground. It's God who humbles the proud, pushes down, not people. It's God himself. God does it, but not people. That's weird. Because uh, here we go again. Titus chapter 1. There are many insubordinate and empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. God wants false teachers silenced. And he wants pastors to rebuke them sharply. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Here we have a woman claiming to be a modern-day apostle of Jesus Christ who is twisting God's word for the purpose of shutting down all criticism aimed at her. How convenient. If this doesn't prove this woman is a false apostle, then I don't know what does. Let me back this up just a little bit. It is God who casts the wicked to the ground. It's God who humbles the proud, pushes down, 
not people. It's God himself that does it. And God uses people to do most things. He uses vessels to do most things. He uses us. But when it comes to pushing people down, humbling the proud. God says to rebuke them sharply. That's not our job. That's the one. No, actually it is. And I'm a pastor, by the way. So, yeah, it's my job. I'm, I'm instructed by God to rebuke false teachers sharply like you. The few things that God reserves for just himself, no vessels required. It is not our job to push people down. It is not our job to speak against people, even if we're... Oh, yeah. See, this is a thought-stopping device here. Don't criticize me. Don't you dare challenge me. Don't you dare question my authority as an apostle. I'm an anointed one. She is a pseudo-Christoi. She is a false apostle. She is a false anointed one. Really determined we're right. Even if we are right, it's just not our job. God does not need. Uh, well, yeah, I, actually you're wrong. I just showed the clear texts that are on the topic who say that it is our jobs. You're wrong. Our help. God does not need our help. God does not need our help to lift us. We do not need to help God lift us. We yeah, listen, um, rebuking false teachers has nothing to do with lifting yourself up. It's about obeying the clear instructions of Scripture. So there it is. Yeah, if you've ever heard anyone tell you, oh, touch not God's anointed, right? Yeah, they're a false teacher, and that's a thought-stopping device, and it's not what the Bible tells us to do regarding those who are teaching falsely and how to handle a false teacher, a false prophet, or a false Christ, or a false apostle. Scripture says to rebuke them sharply, contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.